Welcome to the Locker Room Podcast once again from the guys at dailysportscience.com. I'm here with Joe again. Joe has been sweltering in London the last few days and it's only it's 36 degrees, whereas in, in Belfast it's about 16 degrees. Does that say something about the difference between people in London and, and Ulster? I think so, Karen. yeah. Um, last night it was about 25 degrees. It's very hard to get to sleep. You know, but uh, one of the reasons why I moved to London from Ulster was because of the heat. But, but last night certainly was very, very hot. Yeah, not not too enjoyable. We're joined here as well with um, Declan Bogue, so freelance journalist. Declan, you were on with us before, and and you made the cut again. We got rid of Mick Foley. Um, he he didn't get up to the required level. So sorry about that, Mick. Maybe in the future. Um, Declan, it's good to have you on, and and a good topic for us to chat about GA in in, in Ulster today. Yeah. Thanks very much for having me on. I really enjoy it, boys. To be honest, and um, I it's 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 uh, it really is one to get the teeth into um, when we get chatting about. It, I suppose you know sometimes you might feel cautious about what you want to say, but here we'll do our best anyway. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Also, we're joined, delighted to be joined by a good buddy of mine, former London captain and and housemate in London as well, Dave McGreevy. Dave, you're you're. You're a man of many talents. You, you, were, you were doing the scouts reports and opposition analysis with Daily Sports Science. But in your spare time, in, in lockdown, everyone's asking, well, what skill did you pick up or what did you learn or whatever? You set up a GA club. Uh, well, every day is a school day. And uh, <laughs> I learn things fast. I miss those days of opposition analysis. <laughs> <laughs> so then... Dave, we we we'll we'll um we'll get on to it a little bit just about East Belfast. So you, you were you were the I don't know what to call you, the CEO, the founder, the um the the Twitter guy of East Belfast uh, uh, GA Club. And I saw as well, I saw a picture up on Twitter of you wearing number fourteen, and I was wondering, well, what the hell is going on up there? <laughs> he's up in full forward. Now. He's like he's like that old older great who's getting pushed from defence up into the full forward line to throw your weight around. Yeah, well, actually, well, Paddy Talley had called me in to Down Squad at one stage. He was telling me to play me full forward. And I was like, I don't know how much you know about me, Paddy, but <laughs> I'll give everything. I don't know now. <laughs> but yeah. there you go. This is the reason they didn't get promoted that season. But uh... <laughs> Exactly. Joe, Dave was a good one for us, um, cornerback, wingback. And, and my first year, as I think it was my first year as manager with London, uh, Dave was the captain, wasn't he? And, and had a brilliant year. He was, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant halfback Dave was there, yeah. Uh, I'm not quite sure what happened to him when he, when he was called up to the town team, though. <laughs> just before we start, as we jump in, I just want to mention our sponsor. So it's ripped.app, um, RYPT, and those guys have come on board with us until mid-October at least, which is brilliant. So sponsoring this episode. Um, for anybody who's either a member of DSS or non-member, you can go over to the website uh, dailysportscience.com and you get two months free membership of RIPT. Basically, RIPT, what they are, is they're uh, a platform where to do online training so you can sign up as an SNC coach, a coach, a sports scientist, and it can connect you with your, your clients and your players and your athletes. And you can design training programs for them and eat on a daily basis then the exercise sizes and the videos, rep sets and all will be sent into your app, into your account 
which you can access on your phone, bring it to the gym, and also things like training monitoring, like RPEs, wellness questionnaire, training load. It's brilliant uh, uh, service. Joe, we've started using it with the DSS online training with, with Ben and Quiva for clients. So it's a really great service, I think. Yeah, it's an excellent service. You know, for, for any GAA coaches out there looking to improve their teams in ter terms of strength and conditioning and monitoring and so forth, this is an absolutely brilliant tool to use. Yeah, it's ideal. It's ideal. Okay, guys, um, I wanted to start off just as regards, and we'll get on to the East Belfast because it's a fascinating story, Dave. But just first, you three, and I want this to be a little bit of a discussion rather than an interview, really. It's you three grew up in Ulster grew up in the midst of the GA um, and steeped in it in, in, in lots of ways. What were like your first few kind of memories of the GA? Joe, Joe just starting with you, the Coulter family in County Down, like what, what, what's your abiding memory of the GA and, and who were some of the, the teams and the players that you, you would have followed at the time? Yeah, I think the, the GA is massively important when, you, when you're growing up in Ulster, you know, because it gives you that sense it gives you that sense of, of identity. Um, but I think my abiding memory probably would have been in the early 90s, 1991. I think it was about 10 or 11 at the time. And it was uh, when that great Darn team uh, won the All-Ireland final. And uh, some of the great games you had back then, so just some of the attack and play and some of the fours that Darn had had on offer, you know, it's great, it was great to look at. And I think one of my heroes, obviously, at that time, he was my own club mate, uh, was Mickey Linton. Mm. Uh, and of course, Mickey's still kind of playing today, even though he's in his mid-50s. I won't actually say what age he is exactly, <laughs> uh, but he does come back and play for the Millbridge Thirds. But it, it, that, that would have been my kind of uh, abide memory. It would have been those down teams of the early 90s and the attacking football, and even the Ulster teams that won the All-Ireland in between them. So yeah, yeah great, great memories of, of living in the North. Yeah, and then for, for you, obviously, with your brother Benny, being, you know, captain and involved and in an All-Ireland final, that probably brought it on through to the more modern era for you then, didn't it? Yeah, it did, certainly. Yeah, that, that, that was great too, you know. And, uh, of course, Darren got the All-Ireland in 2010. And it was the first time they, they lost an All-Ireland final. And, yeah. unfortunately, Breton was the captain. So, uh, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't work too well out for him. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, great, yeah. great times, Kieran. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Dave, is, was your family as steeped in, in the Gaelic? I don't think anyone, anyone's family is as steeped in it as Joe's, but uh, God, um, mine aren't whatsoever. Uh, my dad I, even has a joke about it, just uh, he always goes on to people about he's taught me everything he knows. Uh, and, like, the man, I, I don't know, it's just kind of growing up. It must have been like, well, David kind of likes this here, I might as well you know, get him out of the house and we'll drop him down. So we weren't really into that. And I would, yeah. Same kind of thing as Joe, although I was a lot younger uh, in the early 90s. Uh, we used to kind of, or the folks used to leave us down to Clonus and just drop us off outside the stadium. Like, well, we'll see you in two hours. And they would go away and do their thing and we'd be in watching the football. Yeah. Um, and obviously back then, Downing were a, a serious team. And you're thinking, you know, this is my perspective as a child. You, you know, you're winning all arms in 91 and then 94, and you're just like, well, yeah, I suppose every three years, happy enough of that. Um, yeah. and it just hasn't happened. It hasn't <laughs> happened since. De Declan, it, it was an amazing time, like in that in the early 90s, wasn't it, where it was just team after team. And, and for a lot of those counties, it was the first time they've ever won in All-Ireland as well during that period. So it was, it was an incredible kind of era, wasn't it? 
Well, it was, and uh, we were lucky, like, you know, growing up in, in Fermanagh, in Yarvray, outside Tampo, we were quite close to Clonus, like, <clears throat> excuse me, it was only, it was only, Clonus only half an hour away. So I probably had a very different upbringing than Dave because, like, our family were absolutely steeped in, in both sides. And, it, like, and, and my father, really, he, he probably wasn't so much interested, but his brother would have been uh, playing for Tampo at the time. Uh, and then an uncle, then another uncle uh, was married to my mother's sister, was playing for Enniskill and Gales. So I would have, he actually was the captain of a 87 winning championship team, and that would have been maybe my earliest memory. But then, like, my mother played camogie for the county. Her mother played camogie for the county. Her father played football for Fermanagh. Uh, there was an awful lot of that. As a matter of fact, the camogie championship was actually called after my granny and grandfather, and he was a bit of a renowned player as such of the time and I've been doing actually a good bit of research into his playing career through local papers uh, so we then my mother used to just drag me off then to watch all those games like in the early 90s in Clonus yeah. um, which is probably most people will grow up with their father bringing them the games the opposite for me uh, but to see it all up close like the wee James and all that like we were in the stand uh, and the two down boys will love this the time that Paul Donnelly from Tyrone grabbed Wee James Boot and, and fired into the Jerry Arthur stand, like you know, to, to <laughs> in a, in a hot and play. Like, um, see, so I'm uh, tying with you know the start of writing actually a book in that period, but right. there's just so many huge, enormous characters from every single county that I think it, it, it's something that could work because apart from you know, Ulster just sort of coming from nowhere. There's an awful lot that feeds into that, including there was a bit of, like, although there were some horrific tragedies in the early 90s too, the wheels were turning and, and, and peace was on its way anyway. Like, it was only a matter of time when it might arrive and there was a bit more optimism about the place. Uh, but, yeah, it, just in terms of Ulster GA, there's been nothing before since that, that rivaled that, just that revolution time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's something about Ulster in that all those teams as well, they all had like maverick, brilliant scoring forwards. And it was like every county had one. You know, you had even like, even in the later years, Brendan Deveni and Donegal and, and Gallagher in, in, in Fermanagh and, and like obviously, you know, Joe Brawley and Peter Canavan and, and Mickey Linden, James McCartan. Like there was, there was, it was like there was something in the water that there was always one of those players. And like my, for me growing up, Canavan was my, my kind of hero. And, and in 95 for the All-Ireland final, I played at halftime of, you know, those mini sevens little game, right. you know, at the age, it was at age of 12, must be, yeah, age of 12. And like you're in Croke Park playing on All-Ireland final day. I was kitted out in the Tyrone jersey. And I, I just love, I loved Tyrone, you know. Like you support your own county, but I just love Tyrone and, and Canavan. But there were so many of those kind of scoring forwards, wasn't there? Hey, I, it, it certainly, but you know, you say there was one, you know, I mean, Mickey Linden and Wee James had an enormous scoring threat. I suppose Joe would drill down into the numbers better than me, like, you know, but you had the leg of a Car McCabe coming along, even Whitnell, like, you know, these were. Mm men that come up with big scores like and, and Joe gets an awful lot of attention uh from Derry just because of the, the sort of what has happened in, in the mm. years since. But like and the Gormley in the other corner was simply sensational. Like, you know, yeah. 
And uh, Eamon Coleman used to have a brilliant way of, of uh, pitting one off the other. And he would just go up to one of them in training and just say, look, Joe, you're, you're, you are by far, there's nobody in Ireland that is touching you for the way you're playing right now. But he could say the exact same thing to Andy Gormley a minute later, like, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I would say it was spread out a wee bit more than that, like, but certainly some very unique talents. Like, but I, I don't yeah. know if there's been anyone that had an appreciation of space uh, an ability to move so fast with the ball, uh, stop and turn off either foot as, as Peter Canavan. Like it, yeah. That talent was just... Uh, and, and you know what? I'd love you to explain it to me, Kieran, because as you know, he didn't play any underage football. He didn't yeah. come through any development squads. It was all based on kicking on either foot the, the ball at a, at a stack of turf in the turf shed, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's amazing because like they, they, a lot of studies have shown actually it's not the, the strongest player on the, on the particular team in the underage coming up who, who develops the full repertoire of skills because the physically dominant players can get the ball and run straight through the centre, kick it over the bar, kick it into the goal, and that's it. So they're not challenged enough Whereas if you're physically very small and a little bit weak, you have to use your left foot, your right foot, your anticipation, your understanding of space and agility and skills. And I just wonder for a player like Peter Canavan at a younger age, maybe, maybe it forced him to kind of develop all those skills more, you know, at, at that age. And obviously it, like the, the skills you learn at a very young age can stay with you then tr- throughout life. Mm-hmm. So, could could have something to do. I mean, in some yeah, ways, with uh, with Peter, I think um, one of the things that's underestimated is his intelligence. He mm-hmm. he was two or three seconds ahead of his man. He knew where the ball was going. He knew what he was going to do with the ball when he got the ball, and he was so good at getting off the floor as well because he would have been physically hit. But he was mm-hmm. very fast at getting off the ground again. And I think yeah. he, uh, he he fooled a lot of defenders with yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there was a great clip of Mickey Linden doing the rounds there about a year ago, wasn't there? In a was it a junior B game or or whatever it was, and like just just the way his movement, like he looked still like a proper footballer even at the age of fifty, whatever. But just his ability to win the ball, turn, I don't know, was he kick off his left foot or whatever it was, and he strike at the ball. He didn't look like an older player who's a, who's a has-been. He looked like a proper inter-county footballer in some ways. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he did, Kieran. And uh, one of the things, and Mickey will say this all the time, is that Mickey never got a serious injury when mm. he was playing at the highest level because he looked after himself. And he was one of these guys that was big into strength and conditioning before it was even a term, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, that's why Mickey has been able to kind of extend his career because he was so strong and he didn't yeah. get any injuries. Yeah, yeah. There's something, there's something special, Declan, about Clonus, isn't there? Uh, like, just as a venue, I mean, it's been, it, I don't know what it's like now, but I'm sure it's the same. It's, it's been a while since I played on it. But I remember, the, like, it was 2006 or 2007, and we had played, we played a Leinster semi-final for Wexford in, in Crow Park against Leash and were beaten. And six days later, we were in Clonus playing against Monaghan in the qualifiers. And... and we beat, we beat them actually. It was, a, it was a really, really good game. Matty Ford scored 1-4 or whatever it was. But the surface in Clonus was just incredible. Tell me, it was, is, that, is that the picture over your shoulder? It is. Here? Yeah, it is. It's, it's one of my, my, my favourite games, actually. You know, sometimes it can be like a, a smaller, smaller game, but it can mean, can mean a lot to me personally. 
And are you, are you gonna are you gonna not mention the '07 defeat to Fermanagh up and coming too? <laughs> I remember that one as well. That was that was, a, that was a swelter of a day. Oh my god! We yeah. had ice cubes down our down our backs at half time, and 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 it barely did a warm up before the game. And, and uh, the the one of the things about Clonus, of course, was you had that perspex roof in the dressing room, which would have made it fairly hostile on fairly you, like for. Exactly, exactly, yeah. But it's, it, it, it has a lot of history, doesn't it, as a venue? I mean, you know, um, I was just funny, I was reading this morning uh, in the Irish Times, the uh, uh, Sporting Cathedral is sort of a uh, running features they have. Michael Clerkham was writing about Sample uh, and just the history attached to Sample. And he was, one of the brilliant points he made was that uh, all the great stadiums involve a wee bit of a walk up to it. Like, you know, if you think of Wembley Way, uh, if you think of you know other grounds, and then you you come to something say such as Healy Park, and Healy Park's not really, it's it's in an industrial end of Oma, and he says not so much a walk but a hike. But Clonus is perfect because, like I mean, one of the nicest, one of the most impressive things I ever seen was I drove to the other side of Clonus uh, on Ulster final day in twenty eighteen. Just from Anna, where I knew that wee bit of added sentimentality to walk up the hill so that you're at the square um, and then you come down the hill and the place was just, I mean, some of the pictures at the time, I think it would have made it onto the sports, but there would have been renowned pictures at the time, but the colour then the Fermanagh fans were bringing with green flares and the, the green and the white mixing with Donegal's go, green goal, like it was abs- yeah. and it was the hottest day of the year and it yeah. was absolutely, you know, you just wish you could capture that forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I don't know. The teams absolutely do love playing it because of the amphitheater sense. Like you yeah. know, you come down, you go do, you go down a hill, and you're on Fermanagh Street, and then you go up a hill, and then you go down a hill again to take your place in it. And it is one of these. You really could say this is like a Roman Coliseum here, like you know, and especially on a day where there's a bit of a crowd there, yeah. like it is. Ah, it's it's just something else. Like and the noise in it. Like having said that, the noisiest place I went to was. Um, uh, Port Leash, whatever way the acoustics and the stand worked there. Uh, yeah. I was there for Armagh Riscommon two years ago, and it was an absolute shootout. I think you recall that oh, yeah. like Kevin Kieran McGinney must have just said, Right, boys, forget about any kind of idea about tactics or shape, let's just go for it. Yeah. And it would have, it would have deafened you, the, the crowd that day in Port Leash. And then, funny, Tyrone played Cork straight after it, and they annihilated Cork, and there was hardly a peep then. Just oh, the whole atmosphere you can actually feel the atmosphere leaving a stadium but on a hot day in Clonus when there's something in it and the game's there to be won like yeah I mean it is it's a pretty special spot like it's it's a kind of unique situation as well where I remember like Clonus is a tiny little place isn't it it's not like a Market it is, yeah, and like I remember always on the on the team bus, and you're winding down little tiny streets, and you're arriving in the ground, and then like the unique thing with the GA where the players you're practically mingling with the the the, the fans, you know, coming into the ground and coming, oh, yeah. you know what I mean, coming coming from my industry to professional football where the players. Yes completely away from the fan, never see a fan in some ways. And it's a unique kind of atmosphere, isn't it? Well, I mean, like, if you even, like, there's, I have been in Ulster finals where two teams have got off the bus at the same time and watched, like, an opposition goalkeeper absolutely doze into the back of another team's player uh, on the way through that week. I mean, 
they couldn't make the gate any narrower. Like, I mean, it must have been made up in the 1800s as we get that the, all the players have to actually pass through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, like, it, it is, it, it's rough and ready. Yeah. And, you know, there, there, there would be a great appetite in Ulster to have a redeveloped Casement Park. And there's no doubt that base age, stadium, all that, it would be welcome, yes. But uh, I, I, uh, and I know Joe Bradley has written before that he just thinks it's the Bangladesh of Ulster, like, you know, with all these hawkers. And, but Jesus, I don't know. I, I like that. I think it's so much character. Like, there's just not an awful lot of that so much in Ulster. Mm-hmm. Put in a game in, in, in the South. Uh, deep south, I'm talking about, and you have people like you know the Packer Dunn here, and you'll know that name yeah, yeah, playing yeah. the band, so I'd say a, a ground in that. Like you know, Clonus are we link in Ulster to that kind of culture? I feel. Yeah, yeah, no, it it it, it is unique, and in ways it it'd be a shame. I mean, case, casement obviously has to be, you know, something has to be done and upgraded, and mm. it's a shame because like I have good memories of playing there. It's a lovely pitch and a unique little stadium. Like it, it's sad to see what has happened with it, isn't it? And and I don't know is that is that a GA issue? Is it an Antrim County Board? Is it a planning, you know, a permission problem or? I think that Antrim County Board signed it off to Ulster, and I think uh, to apportion any blame, I think there was certain certain mistakes have been made on the GSA in terms of planning, but I think it's been a failure of politics. And uh, when the dice is loaded against you, and you know basically one half or either, you know either uh, non non about it or not perhaps willing to get the shoulder behind the wheel, and a good proportion of that simply are delighted to see you stuck in a stasis where you don't have anything. And mm-hmm. in the meantime, Windsor Park has been redeveloped and Kingspan Stadium is flying. Uh, you know it. it the GA have been treated symbolically here, like in fairness. And the worrying thing is that um, I don't believe that GA at central level have faith in the project anymore. Um, the amount of money that's been lost already has been extreme. And uh, it's the next big crisis that's facing the GA. Yeah, yeah. Another, another one. Well, I mean, t- Director General Tom Ryan is, is an accountant, isn't he? And he's, he's very hot on the finances and like I remember like I know Tom personally very well and he's a, he's a great fella but like I remember being at Congress a couple of years ago when he was um, head of finance and he was very forthright very upfront about you know the state of affairs in the GA financially where the money comes from the semi-finals and finals of the All-Ireland Inter-County game pays for everything and that's not that's not something he hid behind those kind of points. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. No, I mean you have to live in the real world too. Like I mean, yeah, yeah. We could talk about this later, but like you know, at the end of the day, and this is something I've actually been looking into. Like you know, God knows where 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 our seasons go on here because yeah. if you haven't got money, you can't pay the bills, and if yeah. you can't pay the bills, you can't pay the games. Yeah, it'll be an interesting one. We might we might touch on it in, in, in another few weeks because you see Leitrim there during the week, the, the county chairman has come out and, and basically said that there is no money to pay for the inter-county team to participate this year. Now, he's probably setting out his stall to, in public, warn the manager, you know, Terry Highland, that, look, money is not there. I'm sure they will participate, but it is questionable about, you know, for teams like that with very little money, 
no chance of winning anything really, you know, all Ireland's or even provincials, you know, be, to being realistic. And you think, well, is that money being well spent when people who are employed by the county board are potentially, you know, in a, a tricky situation as regards their jobs? You, you would wonder, is it, is it going to be money well spent this season for, for those weaker counties especially? Well, what, what would someone like Joe say, I mean, you know, um, when you're, you know, involved in London, like, I mean, you know, uh, how could, uh, you know, if I could ask Joe, would Kieran have made you go to the county board chairman and ask for your weekend away in Carton House? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> uh, definitely not, Tacklin, because uh, I, don't, I don't know if uh, Kieran and the chairman got on too well. But uh, <laughs> maybe they did, maybe they did. I think I went for a few pints one night in Croke Park. But, but on, on, on a serious note, you know, there are a lot of teams out there that have basically no chance of winning the All-Ireland, you know, and as Kieran said, is that money worth spending, you know, to try and win the Sam Maguire, you know, and then we get, we go, this brings us back again to the two-tier championship, you know, should, te- should county teams only be in championships that they have the possibility, a realistic possibility of winning, you know, so it goes back to the structures too. Yeah, yeah, it'll be, it'll be an interesting one to, to, to see in, in, the, in the coming months, definitely, whether it actually goes ahead at all. Dave, it brings us on to, East Belfast. First of all, explain to me, East Belfast. But you're you're are you competing in the Down Championship and League? Or tell me, explain to me to, and to people what what is going on up there. Happy to explain this, there. Um, so, south of the River Lagan is Down. So, south of the River Lagan is East Belfast. So yeah. the ship of the ring that's kind of down. Right. No ambiguity about that. It's yeah. just a geographical fact. So I did, um, you know, there's, I did hear another podcast and they um, said my name wrong as well. It's creeping. <laughs> uh, but they're kind of giving out saying we should be competing in Antrim. However, um, based on a geographical fact, we are in down. Yeah, yeah. Nice yeah. and simple. Tell, tell us, I mean, I, it's probably been covered a lot about how the club got set up and everything like that, but like, wh- why did you set it up and, and what's, what was the purpose initially? Because, I mean, you, you have your club in, in County Down, you were, you were involved with it and you were, like, we were chatting a lot over the year about you being involved with the under, I think it was the under 16 team and everything. And like, was this, was this a kind of thing that I'm going to send out a tweet out of interest and all of a sudden then it's like, oh shit, two months later, I'm in charge, or not in charge, but I'm having to run this club. And what, like, has this got out of hand for us? This is after snowballing massively. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's pretty, um, you know, it's not just, a, it wasn't just a tweet and then we'll kind of send it out. And you've seen different ones saying about, oh, this was obviously planned. You have mm. no idea how little was planned. <laughs> like, <laughs> It was literally, um, well, myself, uh, well, co-founder, I think you addressed this earlier, I want to be, and I'm secretary at the moment as well, um, with an interim board put together, but this all kind of started at the start of lockdown. Um, so uh, myself and Richard play for Estonians together in the rugby, and actually we went to the same school uh, as Richard, and I would be best friends with his younger brother, uh, Philip. And... Uh, Obviously, the, the age group I'm taking into Connacht, um, well, I'm up to the minor manager now. So, um, there's a, at that age group, and with young fellas, 
they find it hard to express themselves. I think it's the same for males, kind of any age. They just find it hard to express themselves. And especially at that age, you know, they're leaving school mm. and they're going out in the real world or they're staying on at school. And yeah. I always kind of, obviously I was always on to you saying about, well, what about this here training? How will we mm. do this there? But I was actually just finding a lot of it was, how are you? How's your day? And just, you know, and it was I always got this here with London. Um, and you've probably seen this out yourself, lads. Like, you know, guys that come in at the start of the year, you go up to someone and you're like, how you going? I'm David. And, you know, and it's a really basic, you know, social skill. But a lot of people just don't have that. I remember um, when I was in, the time that I was kind of called in there uh, to down, I didn't have a notion who anyone was. Like, so I was just going up to people and just like, how you going? I'm David. And like 90% of the time, it's just like, all right. <laughs> like, what's your name? I don't know who you are. Like, you know, but I would say you the guys that do carry themselves well. Um, the kill Kubi boys, every single one of them was able to kind of turn around and be like, Hi, how are you? I'm such and such. And you're just like, and you know, the time I got this phone call off uh, Paddy one time saying, I need you scoring more. <laughs> it's just like, great. <laughs> I don't want Paddy, like, what, what do you know about me here? Like, I'm the. <laughs> a bit of it myself and he's like well what's the difference you've seen between between london and for down and i was just like handshakes just handshakes you know boys being able to go how are you i'm i'm always oh, this kind of sticks out in my head there's one guy i said hello i'm david and he's like well just call me big biggie or something like this here like and i'm just like is that because it's your name or you know but <laughs> but anyway I get chatting to Richard about, about this here, and um, Richard works in East Belfast, he works in kind of uh, redevelopment projects, so he would go out and help different charities and NGOs in the area, and he was actually, he came back to me and he was doing a course, so I'm actually going through a, I'm a, a mental health champion for East Belfast, so right. I, I kind of got involved in this here training because I thought, right, if I went home to the the kind of young fellas and say and I have no qualifications in this here like you know but I'd love to you know say guys getting on to me and they are having different problems in their life and they are like you know they're going through big changes but I would know what to say to them and maybe if there was kind of bigger issues at play yeah. I would be able to pick up on it and you know say the right things and you know get them going down the right path um then you know myself and Richard both of us uh, Richard's wife and my well, fiance um, mm -hmm. are both from uh, East Belfast. So, you know, I don't see my life being anywhere else there. And obviously Richard's kind of settled down here. He's got the roots down. So our children are going to be, you know, across community, you know, and we're just yeah. like, right, we're kind of, it'd be nice to have like a GA club out here that we could send our children to. Yeah. Um, you know, so it really was, a, it was a, 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 te a text on that morning, I was up early. And uh, I was just like, right, I go down and watch Andrew Marr here because he was interviewing Dominic Cummings. And I was just like, oh no, sorry, Dominic Rob. And I was like, is he going to get the apology? And then I was like, he's not getting the apology. And I was just like, right, I'm going to send this. And then about two hours later, um, I just kind of got on the phone to Richard because it, it, it had exploded. It, it just went crazy. And yeah. I mean, at that point, after two hours, we had enough for the four different codes. Yeah, and why why do you think it exploded so much? I don't know. Like me and me and Richard were looking at it. Like let's do an under twelve team and enter a team next season, mm -hmm. and let's just 
you know, like we're bound to be able to get the numbers for that and we'll just keep working away at it and we'll bring that age group up all the way through the senior and then we can start building the club. But it's challenged my perceptions of East Belfast as well. Like, so that's kind of changed how I look at it. um, Can I ask a question, Dave? Yeah, go, Dick. Sorry, just, Dave, do you think because... You know, you initially put up the tweet and said this is for purely participation level. Anyone is welcome. Uh, you were going to call it East Belfast GA. It wasn't named after anyone that had any part in, in, in any conflict, and it was for everybody. Do you think that then tapped into a quite a significant proportion of people? Uh, because we have them here in our own club, uh, people of other faiths and of no faiths, who just have started playing Gaelic games. Do you think there is a, a huge appetite out there where people just don't want to maybe join up at the local club that's named after Patrick Pierce or whoever or Michael Dwyer's or, or you know, is this a rapperese maybe in Kieran's case? Do you think that's the case? Yeah, no, and this that wasn't intentional. I, you know, this is just how myself and Richard, well, and many other people apparently see the world is just like, right, let's not have labels on us from the start, let's just. And weren't too bought into having it been called East Belfast GA. We're just like, right, call that start. Sure, we're going to if we're going to change the name, we'll change the name. And that's actually who's turned up to play for us is people like ourselves that don't actually care about those labels and just. And I'd say that's a, a reflection of um, you know the majority of the people in this society. They don't actually care about those labels anymore, and especially so. There's a lot of ones. Kind of their early 30s i'm still early 30s and you know in their 20s and this is a generation of ones that just didn't get brought up in any you know yeah. you're this and if you're this you can't be that and you know i suppose you're never going to get uh well my, my home club the Connacht, like it's mixed as well but yeah suppose if, we're, if we were going to go down the line of calling ourselves podrick pierce or something else so you're already cutting out half the community there. Um, I wonder, Dave, as well, is it like the amount of goodwill from like all over Ireland and from people in London and overseas and everything and wanting to be involved or wanting to support it, like in some ways, does it represent the silent majority of people who are sick of the old way and sick of the politics and the, the Catholic v Protestant and whatever and just this is a way of kind of saying do you know what I support that I believe in that because that, that was my first reaction when I saw it it was like oh actually that's really really good is, 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 does that come into play a bit yeah I'd say completely and there is there's people kind of all over all over the world getting in touch and they're obviously very positive you can see the value in this area like as bring people together and that's important um, but also even in the local community we support the whole spectrum mm. and from people you'd be very surprised to be supporting a GEA club. Um, you know, everyone can see, and it's so simplistic, just it's sport and bringing people together and there's huge value in that and we're getting it right. And it is, we're having the right people in there getting involved and it, there'd be no kind of, uh, do you know what? If it hasn't happened, like there's going to be no kind of hijacking it for other reasons, you know, Whenever we were doing the reaching out to our members and they were giving us different suggestions, there was like a few of them now. There was like a, 
Wolf Tone was the suggestion, and you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> Wolf Tone is a famous French Protestant who, who is an Irish Republican. I don't know if you're covering both bases there, like, but you know, we don't want to be the team where you know Protestants are joining and joining an Irish Republican cause, like, earlier this year, nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, do, do you know that the club reminds me a bit of international clubs? So clubs that are set up in New Zealand or Thailand or Dubai, where it's like it's it's Irish and and it's it's, it's or no it's GA, but you have loads of local people playing. You have internationals and they don't give a damn about like uh, Irish republicanism or anything like that. They just want to come and play this sport that's a, a, a bit of fun in some ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure like. You know yourself, lads. Like, how many times have you ever actually been sitting in a changing room and politics is ever brought up? Like, it's just you just wouldn't be doing it. Like, um, I do remember one time. Um, this is way back in London, and I think it was Andy Kenny done something, and I was just like, oh yeah, he's done quite well there. And the mood, <laughs> like, it was just like, God, not big Fianna Gael fans in here. Uh, you know, I was just like, oh, there you go. I have no idea of people's politics here. Like, and the, uh, you know. <laughs> I wouldn't know much about southern politics either. Like, um, but but, um, but but the game itself, you know, just um, just been over here in London and teaching in an inner city school in London. Uh, we actually brought um, our school over to to play Gaelic tournaments in Ireland, and uh, some of the kids in our school, you know, they you know they're Muslim kids, there are Hindu kids, Sikh kids, uh, Christian kids, and they're all playing together. And there isn't really a problem or anything. So sometimes when you look back at Northern Ireland, you think, you know, what, what's the issue here? Mm -hmm. uh, but it's the game itself. It, it, if you look at the game itself, it's a great game, especially Gaelic football, you know, where you can use your hands, you can use your feet. You know, anyone can kick the ball. Whereas in rugby, there are certain few people that can, can only kind of kick the ball. Mm -hmm. And it's a very fast game. So I think the attraction of the actual sport is what people like. And then there's the social side too. So, so yeah, I think that's why, you know, people... People love playing the game overseas who yeah. aren't necessarily Irish. It's because yeah. the game, it's a really good game. Yeah, Joe, you're going to be in trouble now with the lads from and uh, the women from Kilkenny and Tipperary saying that Gaelic football is a great game and not <laughs> mentioned Ireland. De Declan, you 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 were involved with St Paul's uh, GA in, in in Hollywood there, um, close to the lads. So for for one year, so you you've some experience of the environment in which. Dave has set up this club. Like, tell us a little bit more yeah, about the area. I was talking to Dave about this and had mentioned I got a cousin from Hollywood and it was living up that end of the world. So I played one season with them in 2003. And uh, we, in a, the course of our discussions, I think we found out that like we might have played against each other uh, <laughs> in the first league game. Uh, but Dave would have been... Uh, I hope I gave Dave bad manners, and especially if he was only very young at that time too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, St Paul's Hollywood would be sort of covering the wider Hollywood banger and top of the arts peninsula, really, and that would have been a huge uh, barren kind of place for a uh, barren sort of place. But like, I mean, you know, the, the, there is also like, you know, you, things can take root in very barren areas. I mean, club was named uh, the, the the club grounds were named at Padraig McNamee, former um, GA president. You know, from that area, uh, and you know, obviously, you're kind of close to different things like the British uh, Army training barracks and that. 
uh, the club would have had the usual kind of stuff happen to them around the height of the summer. Goalposts would have been cut down. Uh, glass glass shards would have been left in the goal mouth for you. Mm. Um, you know, but then you also re- recognise that some of the players you were playing against, uh, you know, might have been cagey about what they worked at and different things like that. And they were definitely you realise, well, that, that person clearly is from another background or that person is working for something that he does, does not necessarily want to talk about here. Mm. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's actually, you know, it gets hot and heavy in the middle of the summer just to coincide with the 12th. You know, people get, but you know what? You could you do a wider sociological study of that, and the truth is that riots happen in, in at times when it is hot. Like number one, people are out yeah. in the streets, with them, and yeah. then tempers rise. Like if you look at the history of the LA riots at Rodney King, and uh, even the Tottenham riots was was in twenty ten, like and so on. I know I'm, I'm waffling here a little bit, but you know, people when there's good weather and tempers are rising like that, that can lead to civil unrest. It just so happens that the 12th of July just comes, comes right in the middle of the Irish summer. Yeah. And, you know, we're not far off that period and we're looking at the difficulties now that East Belfast are having. And actually, I was, uh, the first day that East Belfast played against St. Michael's in their down league opener, I was uh, texting another man who, and I'm, Name him, but he's a very prominent Ulster GA council official who, who was absolutely buzzing about East Belfast and said, This is one of the most important things to happen to the GA. And he says, They will hit a bump in the road, there's no doubt, bumps in the road coming. But nobody could have foreseen the ridiculous kind of stuff that went on this week. Like, and what do you do to defeat it? Well, UTV Live last night had an interview with Jerome Quinn, who's the ladies' football manager. And a piece the camera then showing the girls, the ladies all training, the camogies flying, hurlings going. They played their first game in the Betsy Gray Cup the other day, and like you know, you can you have two choices: you either stop it completely, or you bore on. And uh, I've no doubt these boys are going to keep going because the goodwill out there for East Belfast would be phenomenal yeah yeah every quarter Absolutely. as well yeah it, 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 it's interesting because I Dave I wanted you to come on the podcast now a, a number of well months ago at this stage but it was around the marching season and and you said it, it was it the 12th year and you said uh Kieran, i can't it's it, you know the 12th is coming up and we're not saying and i said why why what's on the 12th like why, why are you talking about <laughs> and you said you bloody southern southerner you haven't got a clue what's going on but it it hit me the interest like around that period it's a neat, it's a problem then to come out like no matter how small a podcast that we have of actually saying things in public and everything like that. And this week, I mean, we organized to have a chat, I think the day before that issue last Wednesday night. And, and I thought that, well, it probably won't go ahead now, but I, I, I admire that you said, well, actually like what Declan is saying, the one way to defeat this type of uh, mindset in people is to, plow on through and to keep playing and keep developing and keep speaking out about welcoming in everybody and like well last Wednesday night was that 
uh, was that a major bump in the road or uh, or what what was it for you um it was uh it was disappointing now but um uh but that's like an ongoing investigation here so i can't really comment on it yeah <laughs> yeah no fair fair enough how is the how's the response been among a cr like cross community then in the area so aside from just the ga irish catholic or they're probably not even catholic um nowadays but like from other people then what what's their response been um well actually i had a really nice email from local political local mp um gavin robinson so gavin robinson is dup and he was just saying how terrible it is completely condemning it and i think he actually released a, a statement you know publicly cond condemning it and you know like there's nobody uh so there is someone the psni got no connection to anything mm. and we do have We've kind of it's been said to us, and you know, PSI has kind of passed across that uh, there's no organization yeah. or anything that is, uh, you know, that, that are upset with us or any. What we've done so far with the likes of the crest, and I suppose with the people turning up and just the kind of positivity we're we're bringing, and we're we're adding, we're, we're this is to the benefit of the community, and so is every you know, GA club should be that. Yeah. Um, you know, they can kind of see it for what it is, and there's no issue with that at all. And we have, we're here for the benefit of East Belfast. Um, yeah, which, you, which is great. Declan, was, was something like this inevitable, or, or are there further things coming down the tracks, you think, when, when a group of young people want to set up a cross-community GA club in, in an area like East Belfast? So certain communities would be funded, right? Um, and this may sound ridiculous, but you know, they don't. There are groups that are funded that serve absolutely no use to society. Uh, they're under the umbrella of research groups. They don't have to publish their accounts, and they, you know, you only have to look at the type of individuals that head these organisations up, like Deistat. Uh, it's 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 obscene what has to happen, but unfortunately to ensure peace, people have to be bought off. Um, and in that kind of culture, in that culture, then people feel emboldened, then, you know, to sort of issue threats and, uh, you know, uh, do certain things, ring in security alerts and that there, because, you know, they're not, they're not being put out of business as such. You know, they're still an ongoing entity. They still are being told that, you know, this is your role in society. They absolutely are terrified of the like of, and I don't mean, I don't mean for Dave to get worried. Or, they're terrified of the like of Dave because these are people with vision. These are authentic people with a vision for an area and want to do well by their communities and want to uh, promote inclusion. I mean, East Belfast, uh, I wrote a wee opinion piece the other day for the paper on this. Is South Belfast will always be known as the artistic hub of Belfast. Like you've got the Lyric Theatre, you've got uh, the universities and the pubs and the nightlife. East Belfast is evolving greatly. Uh, you, you know, you've got that history around the Van Morrison and all that. But, you know, people like the like of former enemy journalist Stuart Bailey and that and the work that he does establishing say the oh yeah music center which is 
city centre, but they promote an awful lot of vibrant arts and culture. And what you get then is a lot of people moving into the area. There are a bohemian band. Uh, and paramilitaries don't like this. They don't like it because it makes them uncomfortable because, and the truth of the matter is, they just want one culture. And what they want is their culture. And their culture is outdated and it's dying off. And uh, there's no future in it. So they don't want to see people getting away from culture of bonds and bonfires and all these things which are uh, at the very core um, triumphalism, white supremacy. You can call it whatever you want. Like That might be going too far. Um, but I remember last year, Arlene Foster saying that when unionism is at, is at its best, it is all about inclusivity, about taking in other cultures and paramilitaries play no role in that. If unionism is about taking in the very best of everything and, and, and becoming multicultural, well, then the kind of paramilitaries that just want to uh, have their local population that just cleave to one set of beliefs, then that's hopeless. And to be honest with you, I see Gavin Robinson made that uh, statement on Twitter, and I was so delighted to see how fast he was in doing that. But to be honest with you, you, there wasn't enough of it. And Jim Wells going on to the radio the week before and talking about how the, the GA is sectarian and Republican and all that. And he's allowed to make these comments and they're never truly challenged. And like, you know, uh, unfortunately, that Stephen Nolan show in, in particular has become a complete zoo where BBC Radio Ulster are willing to let it run and run and run. And uh, it just ends up in a sectarian bickering match and the only winner is the BBC Radio Ulster and Stephen Nolan because the view, the rate, the uh, listening figures are good but the whole thing is just an, it, it, it's like wrestling with a pig like nobody really enjoy, the only person that enjoys it is the pig and everyone gets dirty yeah 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 well I mean the BBC have a long history of uh, always wanting to give balance to every single or, uh, argument and like if it's raining outside and, and, and somebody says well it's raining you shouldn't have another person saying well I believe it's not raining you know that you shouldn't be given you shouldn't be given balance like Nigel Farage and all these uh, characters getting so much airtime is a, is a, a travesty really how, how, how big can this get Dave like uh, with the, the, the club like I, I'm amazed seeing that in the space um, of a few months just there's a there's like correct me if i'm wrong there's a women's football there's camogie there's men's football there's hurling like there's a there's a club after just appearing out of nowhere yeah um i just kind of want to say that you know during the week that was a, a one guy mm. was in the organization and you know from talking to the different organizations in east belfast I mean, some of them are saying that their kids went to university over in England and they made friends, they started playing GEA, so there's nothing against us. Yeah. Uh, so it isn't an organisational threat that we have, it's just one lone wolf. Yeah. Uh, we're not, not kind of connected to anything. But anyway, back to you know, our, ourselves, um, there was the whole, you're getting asked about um, well, where, does this, where is this going to go? You know, so, you know, and then you're kind of saying, right, well, what does success look at or look like? And I was winding up Joe a few times now uh, just with our Twitter following. And I was just, you know, 
going on. I was kind of keeping the, um, uh, an eye on the numbers, the size of the people following Mayo Bridge and then the people following East Belfast. And I was like, oh, almost as big as Mayo Bridge. And as soon as it happened, it was just like bigger than Mayo Bridge. And I was like, <laughs> Dave, 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 you need to come back to me when you win eight championships in 10 years. <laughs> it's a high bar, Joe. It's a high bar. Uh, so bring in, our... bring in, Dave, bring in Stevie Poacher. Bring in Stevie Poacher. Go all out attack. <laughs> and look to, look, don't mind these defensive formations. Go all out attack and look to win the, the, the championship. That's what you need. But you may, you, may, you may get another bit of sponsorship money in first. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, this is a, there's there's many different ways we can go off here, and it was uh, you know trying to say to Linda about she, like just trying to update her on different things, and uh, she was saying about um, you know what it'd be like, you know, having a club just like you know just a Protestant club is that going to be a thing? Like, well, the big thing I'm worried about at the moment, there's a lot of Tyrone guys getting involved, and it, it looks like. The Tyrone Club in Down, and that's a that's more of a thing, if I'm honest. Like, uh, <laughs> that's a but, major problem. Uh, it is pains me. All the complimenting of Canavan going on earlier as well. Like, but know, uh, sorry, apologies. <laughs> can, um, I ask, can, I, can, can I ask Dave, like, uh, of the players, I noticed you've a couple of from on lads hurling with you, uh, Oren Russell and young Joe Gavin, and that, and that like, where. Can you give us a couple of examples of people who have joined that was a big surprise? Is there a former uh, hockey player and so on, like, or you know, across the different the four different codes? Um, well, just say, for example, the guy starting cornerback for the men's football team. Um, he played once or twice whenever he was younger, but he's a basketball and he's rugby, and he's absolutely smashing it. So you're talking about the kind of multi-sport approach there earlier, like yeah. young young care has been our man of the match for every game so far, and it's just this tackling ability is unreal. Um, there there hasn't been this year now. Um, I'd say most of your kind of big marquee players, apart from myself, um, you know, <laughs> um, they're probably committed to the club for the year, but. There is a few of them who've kind of got in touch saying, here, look, I live in East Belfast. Can I come in there? I won't be in this year, but I'll be in there next year. Um, but it's, you know, this club, and I think a lot of GA clubs have that problem of the value elitism over participation. And we have to be about participation. I mean, if we're going to go down the line, we've had this here kind of conversation early doors, saying right well you know you want to create a culture in the club working hard and all but you know just kind of on reflection it's just like well that's more elitism and you know i'd rather well you know what does success look like do we want to be winning senior championship after senior championship i mean that'll be that'll be amazing but you're i was chatting to a guy from st anna's up in glengormley and their herders done quite well there last year. They were playing against uh, you know the one the one Ulster intermediate, and then they were through playing against Tommy Welch's team uh, from you know Kilkenny. And you know that man is nine all Ireland's, and that's amazing. That's class. Like there's no arguing with that. But they're St. Anna's, Glen Gormley. They've over a thousand members. Do every code. They've uh, you know facilities up there are absolutely amazing. They've a uh, bond school. I mean, to me, you know, that's what success looks like. You're providing GA to these here, to over a thousand people in the community. 
And we all know the benefits of playing. Like it's not just physical. There's mental health, and you know, there's it helps people emotionally develop, and um, even just different connections you make in in the world. Like you know, there's the first few weeks that I was taking um, the men's team and the ladies team, and then it's good. I'll spin on a lot of plates, um, but. Uh, you got you, you got was, you got you got sacked after a few games, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, me and Chairman just couldn't couldn't click. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, it was cool now at the start. So there was, and we still have a vast array of different people of different abilities. And what I was doing at the start was just like, could I get people that have never played before over here, and people that have played before over here, and could you just pair up? And you're going to coach each other here, you know, the different skills. And it was one of those ones. I know as a coach, sometimes you get coaches that overcoach a wee bit. But I was just doing, just showing everyone the basic skill. And you're talking about over 50 people here. And that's what we get at every training session. And mm. Sometimes it's just kind of difficult to manage. Like, But you're going through the different skills of getting people kind of up to speed and show them how to do it, and then they end up coaching each other. And then it's just wee friendships of yeah. people who never met before, and they're getting to know each other, and, you know, they're, they're making plans then of, like, well, what are you doing this weekend? And, you know, what did, what did you do at, at the weekend? And it's just, it's kind of special seeing stuff like that, you know, happen yeah. in friendship with Rossman. It, 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 look, yeah. it, it, look, Dave, it looks like it's very much participant based you know that's the feel and everything like that from what i can see to play devil's advocate are, are you going to have issues in the future number one you may come under pressure to be successful as in winning silverware and and stuff like that and do, will you have to compromise your idealism as regards participation and and number two like can you can you envisage any issues as regards like if there's a young Catholic chap who's, you know, maybe not playing well and he's, he's getting his starting place and there's a young Protestant chap and he's playing really well and maybe he doesn't get his place or there's people from Tyrone, there's a big uh, influx of people from Tyrone and the people from Down might have issues about that. Like, I know these are all hypothetical, but this is the, no maybe, maybe at that stage you know that you're part of a normal GA club, a normal team, that all these issues just crop up from time to time. Yeah, uh, well, just in terms of the selection, I'm not the manager, it's not my problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but that might, that probably won't be an issue. You know, it is what it is. Um, but in terms of silverware, you know, what's, it has to be participation-based. Participation um, you know, if you want to include everyone, we could easily go down elitism and just write this commitment five, six nights a week. That's ego, yeah. you know. And we're not, we're not going to be. We we can't if we want. We could really go up this here and we'll go up the leagues and we'll win so many championships. But you're excluding people. You know, there's there's guys getting involved, and let's let's be realistic about it. If we want to have a good youth development system. We have to kind of start off the primary school age. So that means it's 10 years those kids are going to come through and they're not going to be well coached. So yeah. what, are you, what are you doing there? Are you going to just, you know, kids that are coming through and it's no fault of their own. They probably haven't had the right coaching. You never know. Maybe it turns out they are pretty good. But if they turn up the seniors and then there's guys coming in 
like the kind of blow-ins like myself coming in, um, you know, have played all our lives. We're going to be the better players. So you guys are the first team. You guys, yeah, just reserves. Mm. Players, it's, it's, it's quite interesting because we, we probably have a bit of experience, the three of us in London, yeah. about that, about bringing through that homegrown player and some of the challenges that are involved in that versus the 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 the, the the club official bringing in the shiny new toy of a big name player over from Ireland, um, so it'll be interesting. I'll, I'll be I'll be watching this space, Joe. If they, if anybody wants elitism, just go to Mayo Bridge instead, and, and they'll get plenty of elitism there. Absolutely, Kieran. Yeah, um, we we've got three teams there, but just on that day, would wouldn't it be great to see you know an East Belfast GA team, you know, in an intermediate Ulster final or you know a senior Ulster final, you know club championship final, you know, in, in, in 10 years' time or so on and so forth, you know, with half the team from non-traditional areas and maybe half the team from traditional um, GAA places. Wouldn't that be a kind of a great vision as well? Yeah, that'd be cool. But, like, East Belfast is a very rich uh, sport and background. We've got all their rugby's here and, like, George Best is literally, he's about five minutes right where, where I'm living here. Um, so, like, say kids are growing up and benefiting from the whole multi-sport upbringing like, I'd be just as happy, um, lads winning, love for down winning all Ireland, you know, and it's hard in our football, um, but uh, if they went on to play rugby for Ulster and Ireland, or they went in the same for Man United, I'd be buzzing about that, like, you know, I'd be all over that, and if they're benefiting from the whole multi-sport approach, yeah. I'd be amazing, I'd be class. Joe, Joe you, you had mentioned before about like we wonder, could this be a template or a catalyst for setting up a GA club in, in like you know these areas better than me now, like in North Belfast or in in um in Lisburn and some of these areas. Like, can it be used as a template that look, this is how it can be done in the, in those kind of non GA areas. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I wouldn't want to put any pressure on Dave. You know, because. Uh, <laughs> If if it does become a success, then you know you know why not? Why why can the GA not maybe look to uh, to put extra funding in those you know non traditional uh, GAA places like North Belfast, like North Down, Lisburn, you know that are heavily populated. These are heavily populated areas of the north northeast of Northern Ireland from traditionally unionist areas. You know, and it, it would be a good thing if the GAA might might look at the East Belfast case study and then think about even growing the game further in Ireland. Because when you think about it, there's like one-sixth of the island might come from kind of unionist areas. And is the GAA ignoring, you know, I'm talking about Crow Park, I'm talking about the headquarters, are they ignoring this part of, of, of the island, you know? Because at the minute they're pumping a lot of money into, uh, into the overseas initiative. Yeah. So, you know, it would be a good thing, you know, even commercially from the GAA to actually have a look at those areas and, and fund them. Yeah. Would, would like to add though that uh, if you are talking, there is there is a club in Lisbon. Um, I'm not, uh, God forgive me, but I think it's called St Patrick's, mm -hmm. and the mean North Belfast is served by Pierce's that operate out of the uh, the Cricky as they call it, which is a, 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 a all weather surface opposite uh, Cliftonville's ground, and or down Kickham's who actually Ross Kiara uh, was down to, uh, Ross, I'm sure he probably still is, he, he was down to manage them anyway before the pandemic struck. So, yeah. you know, there, and I would know some people in those clubs and just know that they have been, like, you know, 
it is it's a very tough sell in those areas in North Belfast, and that's not down to reaching out to unionism. It might be very difficult in a place like North Belfast anyway to attract clubs to our children to say Ardo and Kickhams, and that's not just truly down to the name either. It's just it's just one of those real interface areas, uh, and. You know, the truth of the matter is in North Belfast, what they struggle against is not just uh, apathy to get at games. It's, it's just soccer. It's just pure Cliftonville and Celtic country. And that's just what the kids in that area do. Mm. Yeah. So it's, it's, and then you get into sort of St. Andes and Glen Gormley, as Dave says, with a thousand members. You know, it's, 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 just, it's just a different set of... Uh, difficulties, I would, I would imagine. So yeah. this is something that the GA wouldn't, they, they wouldn't even consider kind of, kind of looking at, if you like. Funding yeah. as such, Joe. Or, yeah. Well, you know, when you talk about funding, and this is just something that we would have experienced down this part of the world because I was involved in setting up a hurling and camogie club down here. Uh, funding. I suppose the first thing you look at is getting coaches into schools and building from there. And like having talked to say an underage coach in Ardine for years, he would have been going into the schools himself, going in when the coaches were going in, he would have been evangelizing at length about this hurling and warrior sport and showing them clips and all the rest and working hard on presentations, just not getting the return. Uh, or else the other side of it is that on the first two nights after you have done a, a huge uh, publicity blitz, coaching in the school is not, and this is something that a lot of clubs get, is the first night of like say under six or under eight coaching, about 60 children turn up and you don't have near enough the right amount of followers. You don't have the real estate. You simply don't have the land to put 60 children. And then uh, that can be logistical nightmare where people are paying their membership and signing up and getting insured and all before you can actually train. That's the truth of it. And after two, three weeks, the thing fizzles down then to the usual numbers. Um, I'm a being defeatist here. Uh, maybe so, maybe there's better ways of organizing things, but that's just the, that's just the learned experience that I have found with, with other people in those areas. Yeah. But okay. I'm interested especially from a coaching point of view and asking Dave, like, you know, if you look at the Nemo Rangers model, you know, if you say you want to just have participation, right, you're not worried and Dave doesn't want a manager on the side of the pitch screaming and roaring and taking boys off for making silly mistakes or whatever, then you want to have truly participation model. You're going to guarantee your players get a certain amount of minutes and games and so on. Well, that's exactly what Nemo Rangers did at underage, and they don't mind what they win or don't win up until minor. Then they dial down a wee bit, uh, the seriousness of it. Um, but maybe, David, explain what your thinking is on, on that kind of model. This is so, obviously, um, there's people from, uh, there's more than uh, two communities in Belfast now, but the two kind of main ones, there's been no GA club, um in this area for a very long time um so you're you're dealing with people here that haven't played ga and their parents haven't played ga um so you're kind of bringing them in and there's no point in throwing elitism at them there's actually just no point in chucking elitism at any club 
it has to be about participation and you know getting the buy-in um and just kind of you know getting getting people in getting them interested and fair enough they're not going to be in the senior team but it's a big club they can get into the coaching they can help out some way there's no point in just like no that kid's no good made too many mistakes let's get rid of him you know that, that's just no good and it's, it's it has to be especially underage um i've seen a thing there recently um i think it was the south um their approach to the kind of education they went completely child-centered and how they're going to open schools back up and you know something is something you like that that has to be the way things are done uh kind of with youth in every club has to be child-centered if you're subbing um a player like imagine like an under 16 or an under 14 or whatever child subbing off because he's given given away a hand pass like that's no good and you're just going to drive that kid away and that's just going to something that's going to stick with that kid for the rest of his life um you know so that, that's kind of that's what we want us to be about and we can kind of set our own culture as well because we're a new club um you know just the right thing to do and it, there is going to be no kind of well you know um, my family have been part of this club for generations like and you know how dare you drop my child the fact of the matter is if they're training, they're playing, yeah. and that's it. I, I, I think, Dave, you, you, you've got a brilliant opportunity because everything is new and fresh, and you can, you can start with a blank template, you know, and like, I found it interesting that the Nemo story became such a big story, and Declan, even the Curafin last weekend, remember one of their players, he spoke a lot about the sim, similar type of stuff, and I, I was surprised that it was such kind of a shock to people that oh my god look what they're doing because like if you if you follow all the sporting organizations and clubs around the world now this is the template like this is the template for participation but also excellence so like all the professional sports teams now they don't care about winning like up until at least under 16 if not under 18 as you say Declan like there is no league there are games you win and lose, but no, it doesn't have any effect. There's no championships or anything like that. And then you start getting more serious at the under 18 level. And like even what Dave was saying earlier, the multi-sports of that is promoted that kids play. Like they might be playing for Arsenal Football Club, but they're also playing rugby and maybe cricket and athletics and you know rack, uh, um, uh, tennis or whatever, racket sports. So this is the template, really. And it's the participation, but also it's very clever because, like you say, it's lifelong engagement. So somebody can be a coach, somebody can be an administrator, a referee, and they're more engaged with the whole setup. And like you say, I mean, we have as well, we have a lot of young players who are very, very late developers, you know, who are physically very small in stature. So they don't stand out at under 12 but come under 16, they're the best player. And like a lot of times clubs and coaches and managers will get, ri get rid of that player or dismiss them or not give them enough game time. And they lose out on that like rough diamond, that little gem that they've, that's part of their club. So if you, if you like as much engagement with young players for as long as possible within the system with good coaching, and then you see by under 18, okay, well, see, are they interested at that, at that time? And that's a kind of successful 
sustainable long-term development plan and, and you've the opportunity to like look at okay what do New Zealand rugby do at underage what do Manchester United do at underage like don't copy don't copy Mayo Bridge Dave <laughs> you know what I mean like uh, go, go after go after the best in the world in whatever sport and and take their template and, and copy Corfin and Nemo and, and the rest of them so it's it's, it's a good opportunity that's sport and it is it's participation yeah. like and elitism is just valued completely and that's completely wrong like it's meant to be community it's meant to involve everyone it has to have a, uh, a participation. Yeah. Uh, Joe, money joking about poor Mayo Bridge. Even though we've <laughs> the championship. Dave, yeah. have, have, you, have you had any contact from Crow Park or anybody, any of the officials there or anything? Yeah. Um, I have done very little reaching out to anyone. Um, they've all kind of got in contact with me. Um, you know, there's not much... I don't know if there's much really the GA can do for us. Uh, just what you're saying there about setting up um, in other areas, well, it's community, so there has to be support in it for the community. I mean, the thing is, if the GA came along to East Belfast or Ulster GA or even down or Antrim came along here and be like, right, we're going to start a club, mm. like that's not going to work. It has yeah. to be people in the area, it has to be organic, you know, yeah. that yeah. want to benefit and not, not just, right, well, we need a GA club there because there's nothing there. Yeah. Um, it has yeah. to be. Must be a, a want there, and then people you know, yeah. want to get. Uh, Dave, Dave, just um, one of the, one of the ways maybe you know Crow Park could could support you is through kind of funding. Have have they been touched in terms of their funding? Um, they've been in touch. <laughs> like you know, lads, we, we don't have a bank account. We still can't open a bank account. Um, so that's that's kind of been a big struggle. Um, it's been a huge struggle, and you see kind of ones saying about this is all money backed by the GAA and you're just like, no, it's bloody not. <laughs> you know, um, this is all, this is everything so far has came out of our pockets. Um, you know, if anything, it's been to the detriment of my, uh, <laughs> you know, my account. Um, God, we're, you know, so, but just, um, okay, it'll come together. They have been in touch, but sure, what, what, what do you do? Like, you know, yeah, we have to show that we're sustainable. Um, say like in a week's, weeks time or a month's time things don't go too well and the GA has given us like I don't know five million to build a stadium in East Belfast and sure it doesn't work out like you know it's a bit of a suppose it's a whole lot cheaper than casement so maybe you know value yeah Declan do 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 the GA have a problem of being seen as a, a, a an unwelcoming organization or association Cross community, so so in other communities, especially in the north, is there a problem there with names of the clubs of old rebels and the anthem and stuff like that? I it would be it would be entirely wrong for me to say no. There's no problem. Um, even the president of East Belfast GA, Linda Irvine herself, outlined that she has some objections to uh, an aspiration to United Ireland. Yeah. and the use of flags and anthems. This is what she said in, in her piece with Mick Foley there two Sundays ago. Yeah, um, good, pe good piece, good piece. Absolutely, you know, she's absolutely right to outline that in honest terms, like at least then people know. And, uh, and I don't know if 
I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very difficult thing to tell a club you can't be called what you've been called forever in a day. Mm. How do you tell someone from Dungiven that you can't call yourself Kevin Lynch's anymore? Um, the GA have no appetite uh, to, to, to tackle it whatsoever. Um, although, although Declan, you see like in the NFL and everything like that about the Washington Redskins yeah. and, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of movements nowadays with, with Me Too, Black Lives Matter, etc. to like tear down the statues, to change names, to change uh, the look of organizations, to, to how they're seen and perceived in the, in the modern era. And I, I wonder will that ever come to the GA or who would drive that? I don't, I don't know. Is there anybody who kind of would drive that type of thing? Well, I mean, you know, the ban was always in place. Uh, you know, that uh, the rule forbidding security forces from playing the games was in force uh, and it was down that they brought that to Congress. You know, it, it happened to be, a, let's say, a county that, probably more moderate and than most in the six counties that got that gone. Um, and change comes dropping slow. Uh, would you be comfortable playing for a club knowing that it's named after John Mitchell and his views in slavery? I don't know. I don't know if I would be entirely happy. Um, and that this is this actually probably, and I'm not going to lie, like it came as a surprise to me what John Mitchell had written about uh, slavery and his beliefs in it. Um, but when I read it, I was, Jesus Christ, that's going to change things. And people in those clubs will understandably, if that's brought to them uh, and you're seeking a response, they will be defensive. Of course they will, because what do they have to do with John Mitchell's views in slavery and the, that man's long gone? Um I sometimes wonder, do the GA, and by that I mean the people at the the people at the very top of the association and administration jobs who are a million miles away from the north, do they sometimes think, God, you know, if we were to do all this all over again, could could things have been done differently? And at the end of the day, clubs are called what they're called in that because from the very uh, formation by Michael Cusack of the GA, it has been pulled and. Uh, pulled apart by by politics and political parties and the church and I mean Paul Rice's excellent book on the hurlers lays it all out in real time of what happened now he's using Occam's razor like he's he's showing you what the most likely set of circumstances were in the discussions that were taking place as judged by newspaper reports at the time but basically the church wanted it uh, their Republican Brotherhood wanted it and there was a better battle and it went on and you know the GA then emerged from that as a very pro-Republican mm. sporting body your own personal opinions my, my personal opinions doesn't, they don't matter yours don't matter this is just what happened this is not me expressing an opinion that's exactly what happened and then clubs were named called after it uh, breakaway clubs then were formed and people were dissatisfied with the political bent then of the club and that's what it is uh, and it might be very difficult and it might be hard conversations to have but certainly if one club was to say well we don't know if we can be called after this guy anymore or this guy's not that admirable 
you might see things change and then there might be others that say, well, you know, there's under no circumstances will we change our club name. Mm. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, there's, there's no, there is no way yeah. to get into it and dictate what your name's going to be. It's just it's so difficult. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's obviously much, much easier for a club like East Belfast and new clubs forming you'd hope that they would call their club after the, the area name or something like that. And, and you should. You know what? I mean, I made this point to Dave too, I was speaking to him before about the club, is, uh, you know, you're Howard's Wood, isn't it? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. yeah like, uh, who cares if you beat St. Mary's or St. Martin's or something? It should be, because the GA is all about beating that next shower of hers over their hill. Like, I mean, Mayo Bread beat uh, Clondoff and that's brilliant like you don't say that you know St Mary's beat St Agnes's oh yeah. you know fair play to the Mary's like you know it's just about your your patch of land against their patch of land that's yeah. what it's all about so the club should literally be called the name of where they're from that's yeah. my view but that be a parish name or a town name yeah. work away yeah no I, I agree it, it, it's Declan just uh, Last couple of points I'm interested, like as regards the GA in the north and GA in Ulster in general, like what, what Dave is doing and East Belfast are doing is is amazing. Like it, it's it's very hard for some people to move on, isn't it? To 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 forgive and forget and to welcome like cross-community collaboration and like there's there's a few very difficult situations isn't there in cases like you you wrote a really a uh, uh, kind of a difficult uh, piece a couple of years ago to two summers ago about Aidan McInesby and and you know obviously related to to, to Ryan from Monaghan and like these 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 are difficult issues aren't they that and it's it's you're treading on eggshells the GA in general and 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 you know, the sport is treading on eggshells in, in that area, aren't they? Yeah, and I mean, if they had no political questions or no political difficulties, like, you know, how much easier things might be for them. Uh, and unfortunately, that just is something that they, 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 they will be opposed on a certain hardline unionist sense that, that they will always have that against them or cleave to that or, or cling to their opinion that this is a Republican body, they don't want us. And they, then you've got a lack of sort of, you know, funny to say it on the week of John Hume being buried, um, there's perhaps a lack of ability in politics right now. You see just very entrenched sides, which leads us with a scenario whereby, say, here in this club, in Ahalu, you can have 400 people at a match and three miles down the road you have True in Monaghan and you can only have 200 people at a match. I mean, the, 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 there's almost a sense that we have to be different in every single way in the north than the south yeah. uh, over something as universal as a global pandemic. Like you still have to have your, you have to draw your line in the sand and pee all over your territory. Uh, I, it, it's, Look, it, it just will always be because of the formation of the GA and who took control of it at the time and who drew up the constitution. And I often wonder, like, you know, I mean, remember Jarlath Burns floating the idea that, you know, he would have no problem with the anthem 
and uh, you know a tricolour disappearing from the grounds. If he thought, and this is the crucial thing now, he didn't say I would like to remove it. He said if he thought it would have a positive effect. Yeah. Um, you only find that out if it actually happened. And uh, but you then they, they rallied against Jarlath to keep the Nordies out, didn't they? Uh, at the Congress is the famous line, but. True, absolutely. Uh, you, you, you talked about the uh, Constitution there, Dacton. I think somewhere in the Constitution also it says something about, you know, keep, keeping the national identity, you know, in a 32-county Ireland. I think so, some of these things that kind of Crow Park can control, some of these things might appear, you know, provocative to someone from a unionist area. That, you know, this is something that the GAA could change. They could rephrase it. They could word it differently. You know, it could be a step in the right direction. It could be them showing leadership. Is this something that the, the GA could do? Rather than the GA funding uh, Dave's team, you know, they could do things that are in, in their control. Well, you see, that's, and that's a fantastic thing for you to pick up on, on Joe. Like, I've been saying this, like, uh, just in conversation, like, is you walk into the Mayo Bridge dressing room, right? And Dave says, like, you know, he mentioned something about Fianna Gael and uh, got a, a sharp intake of breath in, in the dressing room in London. But... How many dressing rooms have you been in where people have been talking politics like? Never. No, it just doesn't happen. Young lads aren't interested. I mean, God forgive me, like, but they're, they're, they're more into talking about MMA fighters than, fucking, you know, the, the, the national question. Like, it's not a burning topic of conversation. Uh, so if I went in to uh, the dressing rooms that I ever was in and asked them about, what do you think the Constitution of the G is about? about its primary purpose and so on. I'd be amazed if more than two people had an idea. And if one of them could have quoted me, I'd be staggered. Um, so if it's not important to the people who are playing whatsoever, and probably most of the people who are involved in the club, then why have it? Like, why have this kind of barrier? Why have this boundary then that, uh, it? what good does it do you? I don't know if it does any good, but does it do you any harm? Uh, I'm just saying that it can be used as some as a propaganda tool against the GA. Yeah, yeah. I think I think some unionist politicians have have tended to pick up on that. You know, they of course, they have. And, and that, for them, it's tall poppy syndrome. Like it's it's just easy. Well, you know, oh, there's the GA at it again. Like you know, and this is what they say in the constitution. I mean, Nelson McCausland has made a, a decade of columns about this. Like you know what I mean. If you take that away from, you know, well, what, what would you have to whine all about now? It's, it's, it just seems an unnecessary thing to, to have included in the constitution in, in the GA. And I, I don't know why the GA need to be like, you know, promoting all Ireland and, you know, all island Ireland. I'm not sure who that benefits in this era. I, I don't know. I, I wonder, is it, is it something that over time that people, you know, involved in GA are just not that interested in and, and part of that association? Like, you, you can have your political views, absolutely, and get involved in voting and involved in, in society and everything, but I don't know where that really sits in the GA in the modern era. And I, I just feel it's unnecessary. In, in some ways. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree, uh, Kieran. Especially with the growth of, of the game overseas, you know, yeah. they could use more language associated with global 
or yeah. something like that. But you know, the thirty-two county thing, you know, just take it out. Yeah, yeah, Dave. Just, just to to wrap up, uh, I'm just wondering now how how the GA is, is viewed in general in the north and and in Ulster. Like, has it changed? And has the formation of your club has is that does that show that actually it's changed? That people's perceptions of the GA and their involvement with it. Is it developing in, in kind of modern times? Yeah, um, very much so. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and I think that there's been a... What, what is it? Ordinary people or normal people? What is that? <laughs> Do the show, and it's a book. So um, your guy, Paul Maskell, um, you know, you, that's opened it up to a wider audience. Maybe that's why we get huge numbers in the ladies and the camogie teams. Um, you know, they're kind of watching this here, and it's GA is kind of like a, a cool and trendy thing now. And mm. you know, when the ones are kind of coming up there, this is just a standard email I get. Um, not from not from a Catholic background. Is it that would matter? And they have never played before. Um, is it okay if I come up and like you know? And I was just like, well, yeah, this this club's for you. Um, yeah. And say they just come up to do their to do their taster session <clears throat> and that's it and then sure they're just having the crack for everyone and it's yeah. just like right, this is i'm interested in this here um but even <clears throat> apart from that you know we 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 have like a really good setup uh we're, we're coming down with doctors and physios in the club so yeah. we went up like a, a team like so if you get injured you go to these guys if you have any kind of yeah. issue they do like a return to play thing from your injuries. Like, so we actually have a very good uh, setup that way uh, in our club. And I mean, I don't know any other club um, that has something like that. Yeah. Uh, with uh, so many qualified people in the club. And that's just one aspect of it. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. uh, the really big important thing to myself and Richard at the start was getting the governance right. So, there was loads of different people getting in contact, law law professionals, just like, right, we need these guys in here. We need the constitution sorted. Um, yeah. And then load of different ones, um, the chartered accountants and be like, right, can you go get us a bank account? Well, still not sorted, but that's not really their fault. Um, but <clears throat> in terms of, right, so the GA actually have chased up to make sure that we were in a queue of 50,000 new applications. We we kind of bumped up there, you know, because yeah. yeah. you know, it's coming up to, um, I think it's 10 weeks old tomorrow yeah. from the initial tweet. And, uh, you know, we, we, we're pretty big now. Um, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're kind of putting all, we're paying for everything at the moment and we haven't taken in any, any membership yet. So whenever we get the kind of uh, account open, it'll take a bit, a bit of pressure off. Like, but, yeah. uh, no, it's, it's brilliant. Declan, it, it, it's, in some ways, let's hope that this is the kind of type of club of the future in GA and, and not just in Ulster and the North, but like in, in, in Ireland as well, in the Republic, whereby it welcomes people from diff, different nationalities or heritages, you know, that it's a, it's a very, very welcome organisation, which in general, you have to say it is. Like if you go to the kids section of clubs, you'll see children from all different or, you know, parents are from different uh, nations and, and heritage and everything. Yeah, but I I would, like, 
even though it, it's pushed by some hardliners that it is, you know, that this is not for us because this is Republican and this, I think in practice that's, you know, that that's the theory of it. And you can actually throw up documentation or, or, or you know, literature produced by the GA that shows that this is the actual case. In practice, that's not my experience whatsoever. It's it's completely different. The GA is entirely welcoming, yeah. uh, both sexes, um, and it does the very best it can, you know, and through the clubs to promote it to people of all faiths and none. And uh, all that matters is can you play? Are you interested in sport? Yeah. Um, so I, I I would say that yes, Dave's club has been a success I you know and getting established and attracting a certain amount of people uh, but it's also down to the freshness of it too you're talking about a huge you know if you t- want to talk about in terms of chimney pots you have an enormous population and you have it, 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 it you know it was one of these things that never should have worked most people would have thought, God, Jesus, that's like setting up another football team in Kilkenny. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> but when you actually drill down and look at the um, this, the population and the flow of people to that area, then it has exploded in the way it has. Yeah. Um, but it, there's, there's lessons. I'll just say that there's lessons within East Belfast GA that other clubs could adopt, certainly, um, yeah. in terms of reaching out. But... I know from having been involved in other clubs that uh, reach out, it works to an extent. Uh, and, you know, there are lads who will, very talented footballers and hurlers, that on a Wednesday night, if your senior team is training, will be sitting watching Champions League and they were brought up in the Catholic and Republican faith, just as easy as the unionist who has to drive eight miles to get to the training pitch. Like, that's just the way it is. Like, you, yeah. you, you can and you, you take what comes after that. Yeah, absolutely. Look, the, the next big challenge, obviously, will be the sustainability of us and, and you know, keeping things going into the future. Okay, we, we leave it there. Uh, lads, thanks very much for coming on. Thanks again to our sponsors, RIP.app. Um, head over to the website and get information there. Get two months free access to their services. That's RYPT.app. Um, and then you can see all the information over on dailysportscience.com also. Declan, Joe, and, and especially Dave, thanks very much for coming on, lads. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, boys. Thanks, lads. Thank you.